welcome to episode 70 of A Link to the Cast, your weekly dose of video games and nerd culture ephemera. I am your host this week, Mark Robinson, as Dave Ryan is currently out on assignment in a cat cafe somewhere in Prague. Uh, but with me to uh, take the reins and guide this uh, train wreck that it usually is in a somewhat hopefully manageable direction, I have a tech reporter for International Business Times UK, Oliver Cragg, is with me, making his debut uh, edition on the show. And Oliver, Thank you very much for joining me. Uh, thank you very much as well, considering I understand that London currently has similar properties to the sun in terms of heat, uh, and like my timeline today has just been people uh, melting, as far as, my, uh, as far as I'm aware. Yeah, thanks for uh, having me on. It is a like a sauna wherever you go. Um, I mean, I'm not actually living in London. I'm living just outside in Surrey, but it is just as hot oh, okay. as well. Uh, but coming into work and having to bear both the trains, which are now late because they don't like to run nicely whenever there's any slight hint of weather that isn't just bland. Uh-huh. Um, they're all over the place and the tube is an oven. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's good at the minute. <laughs> what's uh, what's your route like coming into London? Like what uh, underground? Do you have to do the central at all? No, I, I avoid most of it. I get, so I've just got the Jubilee, so it's only like 10 minutes. Oh, of course, because you're... Um, too bad. We're Canary Wharf. You're Canary Wharf, yeah, sure, yeah. Um, it's a strange place. It says in the mirror over there, and that's about it. But um, it means the uh, trip from Waterloo's not too bad. No. See, I actually, I did two weeks' work experience um, for uh, Trinity Mirror for one of the websites they had called Us Versus Them a couple of years ago now. And um, it's, it's a really weird place, like... Because there are parts of London that just, I don't know, like, with London, you can walk 10 minutes in any direction, and you kind of feel like you're in a completely different area, Um, and that happens all the time with London. And it's like, I think it's one of those things about the underground, where you kind of, say you you get on at, like, Camden, and then you get off at Canary Wharf, and it's like, I'm, this isn't the same city at all. There's this strange. Um, there's a, there's a. I've got a background in film, so I can't help but think about film stuff. There's a. There's a really old film where um, train pulling into the station. It's one of the first examples of uh, like shocking cinema, and it's all about um, the collapse of time and space. And that is exactly what the underground is. So yeah. you just you get on at one point, and then you arrive at the next place, and it's like there's been no journey between the two. And it's is yeah, it's really weird. But I mean, where we are, you can walk over the water. And you're in somewhere that looks nothing like Canary Wharf, because Canary Wharf is obviously just huge tower blocks. And then you walk over the road, and there's just a load of pubs and some flats. Yeah, and like <laughs> and the, thing, the other thing as well is, um, like there are some differences with some of the the underground lines. Like for anyone who's never been on the underground, like most of it, like each station just pretty much looks the same as you kind of go from one station to the other on the train. But like Jubilee is is the weird one where it's obviously where like most of the money is, and you know it goes through Westminster because it's like all the stations look super super nice and have had a ton of money put into them. I mean, I haven't been on for a couple of years, so I don't know what the renovation's been like and others. But Jubilee is the weird kind of outlier where I know I feel like there's a little bit more space and there's a little bit more kind of room to work with because like if you've ever been on the Central Line uh, at pretty much any time during rush hour, uh, like. I mean, I've seen people who are trying to read a book and they have their arm kind of wrapped over someone at a 90 degree angle, have the book kind of upside down while trying to read it upside down. And it's like, look, I, I get that you're, you're into Of Mice and Men or whatever you're reading. Hey, just, but like, just put the book down. Like, just, come on. Just abandon. <laughs> it's, it's only 20 minutes. Just deal with the people around, around you. 
Yeah, ours isn't quite that bad. I mean, our station looks like uh, when the Rogue One Star Wars Rogue One trailer came out. I really thought one of the scenes looked like Canary Wharf Station. And it kind of, yeah, <laughs> yeah, sure. It's, it's really strange. Like, oh, it's Canary Wharf. Um, yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's not too bad. It's the complaint about it, but it, it could be a hell of a lot worse. Well, but, we uh, are also like from England and complaining. It's about. Com- we have to complain about everything. Ninety-five percent of what we do. Um, anyway, I'm also, yeah. I'm also in a building full of people that are always dressed in sort of full suits, and then we show up in sort of maybe a shirt, but that, usually just jeans. That was the other thing as well. So when I did my um, work experience on the first day, I came like dressed re- pretty well because it's like, oh, it's Canary Wharf, so like it's you know where all the uh, you know wanker bankers or whatever look, you know look yep. pretty pretty smart and whatnot. And uh, and I got there, and you know everyone around me was dressed really, really well, and I was like thinking, oh yeah, I, I'm gonna sit like fit in here. And then um, one of the people that works in my team kind of comes down, glasses, scruffy, shaggy hair down to his shoulders, uh, wearing just a cardi and whatever else. I'm like, huh, right, I I see here we're <laughs> we're the slightly off kilter branch of, uh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's it's weird. You you're in the lift, and the people in there can probably. The, would probably be able to afford everything you own with what they earn in a week, whereas we're the poor journalists <laughs> on on fraction of what they what they make. Yeah. Uh, I mean, in our in our office, it's a it's a mix of very strange uh, dressing up, I guess. Um, our sub editor wears a death metal t shirts every day. Strong. Which yeah, he's, he's strong, strong look. Shout out to James Edlington Smith, good lad. Um, <laughs> but uh, everyone else is kind of. It, yes, I mean the the tech, the tech outfit is you have to wear a shirt and then a jumper over the top. Um, that's just I don't know why all tech journalists wear that. It's really strange. If you ever see like a congregation of tech journalists at an event, they're they're always dressed like that. But, I'm, I'm presuming there's like some secret code or there's like a part of the dark web where everyone that is a tech journalist has access to that, and it gives you the kind of protocol. This is what you wear. This is what you do. This is the words you use. Not, it's a weird Facebook group where everyone sort of complains about everybody but other than that we just yeah i mean there's there's a uh, is that not just facebook and twitter yeah basically yeah uh, there's there's definitely jumper clashes even in our office uh, <laughs> <laughs> sometimes coming and look at each other like you're wearing my jumper and then they work out it's the same jumper of course because yeah. you both probably got it free from ubisoft or something and anyway. i wish you sent me nice jumpers <laughs> Um, so yeah, no. Tell me like about yourself, and um, as mentioned, you are a tech reporter, and you do uh, features and reviews for uh, Inter- International Business Times, Games UK. Yeah. Um, you just said there a minute ago that you kind of studied film, kind of coming in uh, growing up. Uh, yeah, just just give me kind of a, a rundown uh, about yourself, because like, because yeah. like. I have a whole bunch of people, and you probably have this as well, you have a whole bunch of people that you follow on Twitter that you've not actually met before, and then you kind of meet them, and you're like, I, I, I kind of know you, because I've been talking to you for like a year or two, but I don't actually know you at all, and I've had that a few times in person, and it's like, it's kind of awkward, and then you're fine, but for the first kind of half an hour or so, you're like, yeah, so, hi. Uh, so, I know them. Are they all right? Oh, yeah, they're, they're good on Twitter. Yeah. We had a conversation <laughs> about Dragon Ball Z once. Uh, we'll go with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, Dragon Ball Z is great. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'm uh, I'm originally from Leicester, so I've got a slight twang in my accent, which has kind of left over the years, but can't forget that I'm from the Midlands because it's 
like a bird and you have to carry it with you see, forever. You you say the Midlands, I say the north, but you know, that's just that's a side yeah, thing. I, I, see I went to so I went to Uni in Southampton and as soon as I got there everybody said I was northern. So yep. I've just come to accept that I'm northern, but if I see my parents they will always say that no, we're from the Midlands. <laughs> like it's like it's something to be proud of, which which it really isn't. Um, but yeah, I, know, I went to Southampton uh, to study film uh, undergrad. Uh, I did went away after that and did some other stuff and came back. Uh, did a master's degree in film, um, and then I've gone on to yeah journalism. Um, I used to write for I used to write freelance for the Independent, so I used to do a lot of reviews, uh, game reviews for them, and then I sort of made my way into uh, writing full time and got a job at the uh, RB Times. Um, just for general tech, really, but the the games I was sort of brought on with a specialization in games because I've got a long background in playing and writing about games. So uh, yeah, so I work with uh, Ben Skipper um, at Ivy Times on the games desk as a, as a sort of side for me. So I do yeah, as you say, I do re- uh, reviews, features, opinion. Got to get my hot takes out there, which are not, we're quite lukewarm if we're being brutally honest. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, so I help out with the games a little bit. Um, but I, I have a horrible font of game knowledge that I can't quite express every day because I've got to write about phones and tablets and what's going on with uh, the lead guy at Uber. But yeah, other than that, I like to talk about games as much as possible. So our, uh, we talk a lot on Slack, and mine and Ben's Slack chatter throughout most of the day is just, have you seen this thing about this game? <laughs> Yeah, I have um, uh, like uh, a Slack uh, group chat. I have a Discord group chat. I have a Skype chat, and then I've got Facebook as well. And throughout the day, um, oh, it's evil. It's like seriously. I like I in an eight-hour day. I'm pretty sure uh, at least two hours of that are spent just responding to other people. And it's just like there's too many chats here. Can we try and consolidate this? Just all you. This be like com- a cross-platform where it all comes together. Yeah, it's, it's too much. Plus, our, our channel is normally just a load of gifts, so <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't really. It's not that productive. I mean, Sky, uh, um, Slack is uh, is is very strong for for, for the gifts. Um, it's got a good gift game. It is a very good gift game. It's a, probably the thing that I like about Discord is is gifts isn't as prevalent. I might just be um, the people that I write with and work with within Discord. They're they're not as gif worthy. They're not as gif strong. You know. Um, but it's just, yeah, like the amount of time spent, or let's say spent, wasted um, on those, um, yeah, probably. The social. Probably could have done a lot. I suppose. But could have, you know, could be doing actual, actual work. Could have. But, At the same time, it's nice to be paid to be posting gifts, I guess. Definitely. I mean, I guess as a journalist, you have to get your, you're about building your social brand. So True. I, I reckon I can get away with it as work. For most of the time. Most of the time. Probably not all of the time. Well, so last week, um, myself and Dave, over the last two weeks, uh, myself and Dave, we uh, did a big preview of E3, giving our predictions and whatnot, and then we did the big recap show last week as well. Um, but for you, I'm, I'm curious, because um, I haven't really spoken to uh, game journalists or tech journalists who have uh, had to cover E3 in any capacity. Um, like for me and Dave, you know, we are just backbenchers. We can sit, we can watch, we can discuss. Um, there's no kind of pressure on us. But like for you, like... Like, uh, kind of going into E3, like, how much of it, like, for you personally, like, how much of this was you covering, having to work on, 
staying up till like stupid clock in the morning to cover it like how much of this was you doing this year yeah i used to i mean i used to look forward to e3 i kind of still do i think you you do anyway because there's a sort of buzz around it um but i would like a year where i can just watch it most of it is just working we um i think last year we coined it the churn because you just you are just watching something and churning out stories yeah um just one after the other while you're watching them i mean uh we we covered it from the office this year with uh, freelancers out doing hands-on stuff um, and on the day of Ubisoft and Sony we were there from I mean I did a 5pm till 5am shift strong <laughs> Jesus. yeah that was, that was good um, aye, aye, aye. I mean part of that's because my train doesn't actually start till like half five I was going to say you probably get to so, the point where you're like I might as well just stick around and wait till the train starts running again that's, yeah that's it I mean there's no other way of doing it um, I mean I sent a, I've posted a uh, I've now got apparently it's now a yearly tradition where I take a selfie in the office of just me in this huge office on my own because I'm the last one standing after the three shift. I'm so lonely. Exactly. Um, I mean, there's nice, nice uh, views up there because we're on the twenty fourth floor. Oh yeah, so sure. Have a look out the window. London's very nice and dead at that time of night. Yeah. So that's all. But yeah, um, no, we were so yeah we were churning out news stories while it was happening. Um, we uh, covered. We did that from the office, the stuff over the weekend, which we did from home, but we're just working remotely then and just covering it as it happens, uh, taking all the big stories that break and sort of doing spin-off pieces about what we think. And then, I mean, even before that, there's the, as you say, I mean, you did a prediction thing. We, we also did that, uh, things we might see, things we might not see. I think we did a hopes for and predictions. We did, we did both this year. So we did just that for, I think most of the conferences. Um, but yeah, I mean, if I'm being honest, the grunt work goes to Ben because he's our games guy. Of course, uh, yeah. But of three, three, we're all hands on deck for getting that news out. But like, so how how kind of far in advance um, do you start feeling the pinch of E3 coming along? Like how how early is it that the inboxes start to kind of start to go on fire because this is coming in, this is coming in. Um, and the other thing I was really interested in is um, when you're watching a conference um, and you might not be as aware because you're probably, you know, having to write and watch the conference as well. But like for me, like I'm watching a conference and something uh, is is shown in a, a Ubisoft conference like um, Skull, and, is it Skull and Bones or Skull and Bones? Yeah, Skull and Bones, yeah. yeah. Like that gets uh, announced and like literally a minute later there's... Um, uh, there's a news piece from about 10 different websites and i've always been curious like are you getting that information a, a day in advance so you can actually get that ready to go but it's embargoed until the actual announcement or are you literally like as soon as it's there all right i have to quickly put something out i, I can't really speak for all of the game sites i mean because we're i mean we're a we're a, we're a small part of a, a national website so sure. we're we're quite we're more so i guess lifestyle for want of a better word so we don't necessarily we get we get some stuff under embargo um from prs that we're we're quite close to uh e3 we don't tend to get anything but i as i fathom to say that that's kind of the case for most people um i mean i was at a arms review event uh, a week a week and a half before e3 and uh speaking to the nintendo reps they've got they had no idea what was going to be at the show oh really so, a lot of this stuff is decided last minute for them as much as it is for us. Um, I mean, obviously, when they have the show ready to go, they all know it. But the people who 
relay that information don't necessarily have it for embargo. Um, I find but, I, mean, that, I find that less surprising with Nintendo because they've really shown to have um, a kind of level of not giving a fuck when it comes to E3 and just kind of here's our direct stream and enjoy it. And I appreciate that. I, I do appreciate Nintendo's attitude towards E3 over the last couple of years. Yeah, I love their approach. Um, it just it keeps away from the talking heads. They just get on with it. It's it's easy. It's fun to do. Normally, uh, they they have fun doing it. Um, yeah, um, I mean Nintendo's PR are fantastic as well. They're lovely, lovely people. They give you loads of um, so they give you loads of time to do reviews in advance and things like that. They're okay, generally really good. Um, but yeah, then no, their E three presence is one of the highlights for me normally as a probably I guess as a Nintendo fan at the end of the day as well. And like so, for you, kind of highlights and, and lowlights, like me and, and Dave, kind of pretty much extensively went over our faults. But um, for you, you know, what, what did you think worked? What did you think uh, was was an absolute uh, garbage fire? Um, I can make a wild prediction, maybe on that. <laughs> um, yeah, just what were your kind of thoughts on, on the three this year overall? So I had to rewatch a few things because, as you said, like when we're we're covering it, there's I mean, between the two of us, there's one thing comes up and then tapping away and then something else comes up and then the next person takes it so i missed a few trailers the first time around and a few not announcements because i can hear it going on but you don't necessarily get a good grasp of how well they did straight away so sometimes you have to give it a bit of a rewatch. um i mean ea's was interesting uh, that's, that's the word we're going with the um <laughs> the the influences were strong uh-huh uh, <laughs> strong influential yeah. brand <laughs> the guy with Need for Speed was so good. That was so good. It hurt. And the FIFA guys who couldn't high five. Oh, it was it was bad. Um, I mean, they they did well at the end because they had Battlefront Two, which looks awesome. Um, but um, highlights for me probably. I mean, I, I guess it's a toss up between Ubisoft had a really good show, and uh, Nintendo had a really good show as well. I think Nintendo dodged the whole you don't have a release date for these two games because there's a lot less of that this year. Normally there's a, I mean, last year in particular, there was a lot of uh, moonshot announcements like Shen. Was that last year? Was Shenmue last year? Final Fantasy VII? That was the year before. Was that the year before? I'm yeah. sure there was other stuff It, last it year. was that trifecta of madness that was Shenmue, Final Fantasy yeah, and Last Guardian. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was God of War last year and things like that. And it was, it was like, these are games that are going to, gonna be there but we don't have dates for them. i mean sony didn't have necessarily have dates for anything this time either That's yeah. what I remember. Well, this is it. this is what me and they were saying last week in that i think part of why sony's felt a little bit underwhelming this year is because they like the crudest term i can put is they shot their load last year um oh, massively yeah you know it's, and that was a that was a fact that was a come down from last year they couldn't they couldn't carry that momentum. Well, probably over the, like the last two or three years in in Venice yeah. with uh, the, the amount of stuff, and then you include like the Last of Us two at PSX last uh, was it October November, yeah. and yeah, they have a whole bunch of games that have no actual um, uh, kind of deadline they're or light in the tunnel. Yeah, oh. they're just existing, and like because no one knows what the fuck Final Fantasy seven is going to be. Is it you know will it be in three or pieces? Will it be in ten? It's got to be at all. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so shaky um and then shenmue is shenmue's a whole another story um so, yeah so like i i think some people were saying that um sony's was the worst which i think is a bit a bit much because i still like that sony just pretty much come out kind of like nintendo except they're there they just come out say hey 
we're Sony, we're awesome, here are a bunch of games, and then that's it, just one game after another. And and I really like I kind I, I get why say in, in EA will do what they do because you know they have uh, an audience that you know you think about uh, some gamers who literally only play FIFA or only play Madden. Well, you know you gotta kind of get them on board. And here's a marching band. Here's Jose Mourinho last year, which in fairness I thoroughly enjoyed, and I was very disappointed he wasn't <laughs> there this year. Uh, there there was money to be made in having him back. But he has taxes yeah. to pay in Spain, apparently. Um, so, yeah. So, um, but like, uh, did you see any of uh, Digital Devolvers at all? I haven't. I need to go back and watch it. I've seen clips. Or oh boy! I uh, saw Jim Sterling's recap of E3 on Monday, and there was a bit about it on there. And I heard about it at the time, and my friends bothering me to do it uh, to watch it, and I need to go back and see it. Yeah, if you uh, if you've ever had. It's funny because they're, they're obviously sending up the whole awkward, we're selling you stuff press conference, but that wasn't necessarily the main thrust of this year either. So it felt, I, d- I don't know, like I'll, I'll definitely watch it. I'm sure it's very funny, but it felt maybe less relevant this year because I think Microsoft, the, the, the big guys were pretty much, here's some games, enjoy. They didn't, didn't really go into any kind of financials, which they've done in previous years when it used to be terminal. Yeah, and really, just gone out there and gone. Here's here's our stuff. There the were cheers for pre-orders, which was <laughs> and all the cheers for exclusive stuff, which oh. is just shooting yourself in the foot. Why is why are you cheering for all these exclusive games or launch exclusive or whatever that means? It was, that was weird. And because it was very interesting, um, like Phil Spencer kind of was admitting that, like we say exclusives, but obviously they're they're not you know console exclusives. They're it's it's a very kind of loose terminology to be using. It's like just don't fucking use it then. Just say it as it is. Um, yeah, like immediately when they announced Battle uh, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, we were like, that's a huge get, that's massive. And then within minutes, you think, hang on, they said console launch exclusive. So will it come to PlayStation? And it, it sounds like it will at some point. But I mean, it's, it's good for them to get it early. I guess they need it for. They need a good lineup for the One X, and that that's a huge thing. I'm not a PC player, but I'd love to play Battlegrounds. Um, so yeah, that that would work for me. But I don't know. I think announcing everything that's exclusive. I think they need to, for, for me, for Microsoft, they need to work on their uh, first party devs and try and build a bit of a stronger relationship. Because so, the thing is, Sony can roll into E3 and they've got however many studios. I mean, Sucker Punch weren't even there this year. They've been doing something for three or four years. Because the last thing they did was the infamous expansion, yeah. Like when the PS4 launched, and we've heard nothing since. So they're obviously doing something, and they've they've got that sort of rolling uh, game library, which will just keep coming. And uh, I mean, they're already teasing PSX. I imagine there'll be a lot there as well. Uh, Microsoft don't necessarily have that, I guess. No, and I wouldn't be surprised if before long. Uh... Microsoft have a, a similar conference, although again, kind of as you said, like they need the the first party lineup, which just hasn't hasn't been there. And you know, obviously with stuff like Scalebound getting cancelled, like yeah. I feel like Spencer's kind of treading water on. Um, I don't know. Just I'm for me, the thing that I got coming out of Microsoft is they had. A, a better uh, a conference than they have had over the last year or two, but I still came away. Um, a the T-shirt. Um, I was here for the most powerful console launch ever. Uh, th- that just 
I, I shed a single tear. I was like, what? Just, just a bit, just a bit awkward. <laughs> it's just a bit awkward. And just the price. And I, like, I watched um, Digital Foundry's piece on the Xbox One X and why it costs the amount it does, and it's a really, really good piece. Um, but still, for five hundred quid, like, and I get that there are people that will never want to buy a PC because my thing is like, if you're gonna buy something that that's expen- that expensive to be running, you know games at the highest quality just buy a pc but i do get that some people don't want to have to do all the fuss of a pc and would rather just have an xbox or a console that will run 4k i get that that's grand and i get that there are people that will you know want to have a console that runs true 4k will have a, a tv that is you know can, is capable of running 4k and you know are willing to spend a grand and a half on the, the console and the tv but i just like that, that's such a, a niche market and phil has even kind of come and said that you know we we realize that this is going to be for a specific core part of our audience it's like we don't have a big enough audience where that feels like something that seems like a viable option to be doing at the moment and it's just yeah. my head is scratching at what their business plan is at the moment it's a, it's a weird one when you think of it from a sort of business perspective. It's, it's very weird. I mean, immediately said afterwards that, that what they expect to sell far more One S's one next year, um, which they will. Like, there's no way they're going to sell more One X's than One S's. You'd assume there's, there's a huge price disparity there. And the, the, the one only, X is so cheap now; it's a really good offer. The, but they, uh, the only way they will sell X's is if a kid says, "I want to buy, I want an Xbox One S," and the mum goes into the shop and goes, "I, I want an Xbox something or another," and the, the person behind the store says, "Oh, the X, oh yeah, the X, sure, whatever." Yeah, yeah, that one. Yeah, the people upselling in game. Or yeah, <laughs> yeah and that will happen. That will definitely happen. But yeah, otherwise, I don't know. I mean, the One S is a really good piece of kit. It looks, it looks stunning. Even the One X is phenomenal from a well piece of kit perspective is tiny and it's got so much power in it um but i mean console cycles have shown always shown that not necessarily the most powerful device on the market is the one that sells the most um i'm pretty sure like not without not having a huge amount of knowledge of the tech that goes into consoles the gamecube was one of the more powerful consoles of its generation if not the most but it died because i I mean i don't I love my GameCube, so. But it, it, you can have a really powerful box, but it, you have to have the games and support behind it to get grow that kind of audience. And I mean, PS4, I've, some of the best games I've played in ages on PS4. Uh, Bloodborne's one of my favorite games ever. Probably Persona Five is as well. Um, there's, there's, they've just had, they've had that support from such a broad network of developers and xbox whether they're at microsoft whether they've alienated them or not um i don't that scale bound i think there's more behind the scenes maybe yeah um i mean the, the fact that there was so much hope on that particular ip because there's, there's not much else out there because they've got they've got gears they've got halo they've got their pillars but Where's the stuff that's supporting it? You've had um, really oddball titles this year from Sony, like Yakuza Zero, which have taken off. But yeah, Microsoft don't have that, and obviously they they did show a lot of games at the show. But I don't think they necessarily need to be exclusives. But they need they need that support from somewhere. And the, the thing as well, like going back to what you said there about the the GameCube, like the next console that came along was the weakest of the three yet sold oh, yeah. a billion friggin' units. And, um, you know, and that was just the switch is underpowered and it's now doing gangbusters. Yeah. So. And here's the thing, right? 
So Microsoft have doubled down on going for power in a pure kind of Jeremy Clarkson kind of way. And like for me, like I don't have uh, an Xbox One and I don't have a Switch. And I'm looking like, well, if I want to buy another console, because I end up usually having two consoles of every generation. And it's usually because I want to have like, usually we'll probably end up having a Sony PlayStation whatever, you know, I've had one uh, since the original. And it usually it will be the Nintendo device. I mean, I had all three for the Xbox 360 and whatnot because, like, I was a university student and had money to blow. Um, but, like, with this one, you know, if I'm looking at if I wanted the PS4 or an Xbox One, why why would I want to get an Xbox One? What is there that is a selling point for me unless, you know, I am a devout halo fan or a gears of war 4 fan and like i played gears of war 4 it's all right i'd never it's all right you know it's it's, all right it's perfectly all right (laughs) it's it's a six or a seven out of ten you know it's it's all right it's gay it's gears it's great um i mean halo they killed it for me because i play i tend to play local co-op like uh we're a really good friend josh who we always play local co-op games with and we've played halo games for since I think, I don't know, Reach was probably where we started. And we then we've gone through the single player and played online together in split screen. And that was such a huge part of Halo. And they ripped out five. I mean, that, that's maybe a niche audience, but it was a kind of a, you don't quite understand your audience. Sure. Thing. And then obviously they've come out afterwards and said, well, six will have it. And yeah, uh, but the fact that those two franchises are still the first and that, and those and fours are, I guess, but I mean, I'm not a, not a racing game fan personally. But those are the th- biggest three temple fr- uh, franchises they've got, and there's not much else that's vying for that. Uh, Crackdown I, is a, it's a B franchise at best. Mm-hmm. Um, Crackdown was the game that was sold with, so you could get a Halo demo, um, and it's a really obviously original Crackdown's really good fun, but it's it's not the big name that the Xbox One X needs to push those units no but, as much um, as as much as i enjoy terry cruz it's not oh, yeah. god i love terry Crews. i do i do the coltrane baby he's great but he's yeah. not he's not selling me on an xbox one and like you look at because for me you know i'm looking now at an xbox one or a switch and it's like okay well so i've got crackdown 3 that's coming out and yeah i'm sure it'll be okay uh, there's not really much in terms of um uh, indie games, and that was a key thing as well. I think with E3 this year, there was a real lack of uh, indie presence, um, other than yeah. obviously Devolver Digital having their own conference. Um, it's like, do I want that, or do I want what everyone is calling one of the greatest games of all time? Um, there's this clear like reboot of the Mario series where he now has a sentient hat and he is just a vessel for the hat, which it's is you know insane, but just the best kind of insane. I just like I I didn't know that this is a take on Mario that I wanted, but clearly it is what I want because I'm looking at this. You know, you got Splatoon coming out, and I fucking love the first yeah, Splatoon. Um, Mario Kart Eight is out, and Mario Kart Eight was probably one of my favorite games of the last generation. Uh, it's easily my favorite Mario Kart game uh, to this point, and they fixed battle mode, so double trouble. Um, it's just like this. It's a no-brainer for me. Uh, it's like why would I not buy a Switch? Um, I am gonna buy a Switch. I could, I could- yeah, I could wax lyrical about the Switch for ages. Um, I mean, it's changed my commute. I could, I'm on the train for half an hour, and I can get in. I can get in an, a, a championship and a half of Mario Kart Eight. Strong. <laughs> uh, I can get. I can get a solid through uh, arcade mode in Arms, um, but just just having that, and then I mean, they had Rocket League. 
Like, yes. I oh want my Rocket god, Rocket League Switch. as well. Oh. There's so many games for Switch where uh, you uh, can, uh, yeah, I double dip on that. I, yeah. I want that so I can play it portable. Or, yeah, so I can just take it out with me wherever I want. And just aside from that, the console's great. I mean, it's, it's just brilliant design. It's a wonderful piece of kit. And then once you have Stardew Valley, that's it. Game over. That'll be it. That'll be it. That'll be my life just gone. I mean, if they release that and Animal Crossing within sort of <laughs> close proximity, uh, I may die. God. That would be brutal. Uh, they're just time sinks. I mean, I've, we were talking about it earlier. I've spent so much time on Stardew Valley, but I'd happily go back again if I could do it on the train. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've got to, got to get all those, um, got to sort my farm out again. Yeah, like I'm because I'm working from home at the moment, and um, I should hopefully be back in the office within a couple of months. And I'm actively looking forward to that half an hour commute, where it's like, okay, well, you know, what can I do in half an hour? Like, there's a lot I can do in half an hour if I really put my mind to it. Because um, I'm only got like games on the tablet at the moment, and there's been, to be fair, there's been some really good games on mobile this year. But it's like, and you know, that's half an hour I can get lost in Stardew Valley or have a couple of yeah. games from Rocket League. It's just oh. So when I, when I bought it, I remember. Um sort of talking to uh because when you're spending that much money on a console at launch it's quite expensive so i was talking to my partner uh, <laughs> uh i said justifying uh, it yeah well a little bit but also yeah i'm definitely gonna buy it <laughs> um so i was just said like um yeah I'm t- when i get when i get it i'm thinking i'm gonna get zelda at launch Zelda's gonna be amazing it's gonna be this huge hd experience that i'm gonna slap on my screen i'm not sure i'm gonna uh, actually take the switch out of the dock that often just looking at it thinking oh yeah that's a good option if i need it i've spent when i was playing zelda i reckon i spent 70 percent of my time playing that portable which was completely surprised that's just a massive surprise to me um i i probably wouldn't have done it normally because i've got to move on to the next game but all the shrines in Zelda, are little mini dungeons. There's 120 of them, or something like that. I think it's 120. I went through all of them just because I had the time because I was commuting. So just get on the train, sit down, find a couple of shrines, and you just slowly get it done. And that sort of takes away the. I guess there was a little bit of grind to that as well, but you don't notice because you can just play it in short chunks. But I was convinced I was only ever going to play this console on TV, and it just the it, the whole mechanic of just flipping it out, sticking it in your bag works so well. It's, it's a really clever piece of kit. Um, I mean, they've got the games to support now as well. They've got a new, brilliant game every month from the looks of it. So, yeah, yeah I, I I remember like the detractors when um, I think it was just before the launch of uh, Switch, and I was kind of one of them. I was concerned by this, thinking like, oh, it's just it's going to be Zelda and then Mario, and then I think yeah. everyone just kind of forgot. It's like, well, you've got Mario Kart, you've got Splatoon. I mean, no one knows what ARMS is yet, but, you know, we'll wait and see. And, yeah, it just looks like, no, Nintendo are really set up well for the year at this point. Yeah. I mean, it was a weird one. Console launches are weird anyway. Because if True. you think, I, was, I did, a, did a thing on it when that sort of, that was fluttering about on Twitter when the, the uh, echo chamber was talking about the horrible, horrible Switch launch. It's weird, because if you look back at any of the consoles that have launched probably for the past decade, most of them have had crap launches. The yeah. PS4 launch was pants. Like it had, um, I think the, the main one was a kill zone. It was, I'm going to say Shadow 4. I think it is Shadow 4. But the fact that you have to think about what it was called look, isn't, and it's, and it's not very good. Don't you look over Knack, all right? That's what I'm saying. Right. Knack was, no, was, no, was shit. <laughs> but who, everyone's looking forward to Knack too. Well, so. because, you it's know, right. we're all completely insane at this point. We're mad. Yeah. Um, 
There was a good there was a good meme going around around E3 where they were talking about how every announcement was NAC two related. <laughs> I think one of them was like ten minutes dedicated to unboxing NAC two. <laughs> I, I appreciated more than that was um uh, every one of Austin Walker's tweets was hashtag skate four with whatever else in there. <laughs> it was trying. It was trying. I we, really appreciate what, that. The one we were hoping for was Splinter Cell so much that we tweeted out uh, at the end of Ubisoft's conference when they were like, oh, there's going to be one more thing. And obviously it's Beyond Good and Evil 2. Yeah. Which, Which you know. Yeah, fantastic. I mean, right. it's, it's still slightly concerning that there's only a, a CGI trailer at this point rather than <laughs> gameplay, but okay. Like, at least it's still alive and it, the world looks amazing. But it's... we were we were so convinced that the Splinter was coming. Um, we just wanted it so badly, but obviously, again, I mean, that's that's the first. Uh, we said it immediately afterwards. That's the first E3 in a god knows how many years where Ubisoft didn't have a Tom Clancy game, and it was it was the year for Sam to come back, but they didn't do it. Well, I mean, the thing is, right, Mario and Rabbids Kingdom Battle. Oh, it was just brilliant. What? That's the, it's, <laughs> like when 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 the leaks came out for that. Before the switch launched, nobody thought that was going to be good. No, no everyone thought it was just going to be some like, knockoff third-party Wii game. Idea. No one likes the rabbits. What is Mario doing with these muppets? And then, as soon as that trailer drops and the gameplay drops, it was like, yeah, all right, yeah, okay, yeah, on board. And what I loved about the trailer as well is like there was about a minute and a half of CGI or, or you know just cutscene stuff, like not telling you what the game is, and then there's no kind of like. Um, big, okay, here is what the gameplay is. It just goes into it like, yeah, you know, it's Mario XCOM fucking, you yeah. know, that's it's it. It's got guns. That was the, I think that was the thing that hit afterwards. Like, Nintendo have trusted Ubisoft to the point where they've allowed to them to give Mario a gun. And you think that's, that's quite a lot of uh, trust they've put in a completely untested set of hands as far as Mario goes. But it looks just, it looks right. It just looks great. Um, and the, the the reveal with Miyamoto coming on stage. That, oh that's, my god! That with uh, Eve Gamow is the that is the image of E3. Oh yeah, like so that's been on everything back to back. Though I mean, that was I think it was on the front of one of the uh, mags over here. I think um, it was on that, that is the image. It was on MCV. Uh... Yeah, that that's that's the that's the pinnacle of E3 this year. It was, yeah, it was just great. So for me, the last question kind of coming out of this um, has you just. Uh, mentioned there beyond good and evil 2 um i'm I'm looking to maybe do a piece on this but like we've had these kind of golden carrots these dangling carrots over the years now with the likes of uh last guardian and shenmue and final fantasy 7 and this year beyond good and evil 2 what games are left that fit that kind of that tier of just you know every year we're like oh we're gonna get it because i feel skate 4 is there now but i know we're never gonna get skate 4 Yes. Um, no. <laughs> Half Life Three won't be released until Valve decide. Well, here's our proprietary like uh, console that's its own thing on its own. Oh, by the way, it has Half Life Three installed. We've just sold 100 million units. Um, other than that, I just I I don't know what else there is at this point. I mean, Nintendo had a couple of their own. Oh yeah, uh, like so Metroid. Jesus. Yeah, yeah, Metroid <laughs> Prime Four. Which, yeah, sure, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, Retro Studios aren't doing it, so God knows what they're up to. Um, Possibly uh, another Donkey Kong. I hope not. Not because I they're really back. like Tropical Freeze. 
I haven't played Tropical Freeze. Oh, there's there's a really good uh, uh, video by Mark Brown that was Game released. Yeah. Yes, I watched it and I thought, yeah, I really need to catch up with that. Yeah, like if, if Mark Brown is saying a game is good, just it must be it must be very good. Exactly. Um, I mean, they had that and uh, what was the other? Oh, they said uh, Pokemon on Switch. Yeah. Obviously, those two things are enormous and they are without release dates. But I think Nintendo, there's enough um, trust from the gaming public to go well yeah they definitely will come because they tend to sort of get a jimmy on if they they have things in production yeah and again i love the the announcement for for pokemon switch like it wasn't any big announcement it's here's a guy in the office uh yeah by the way yeah there's gonna be for the first time ever a pokemon game on on like a kind of main console that we do so yeah uh, yeah. the full direct before where they're like yeah pokemon's coming to switch and it's pokemon which great, yeah, fantastic. But that's not what we wanted to hear. And then they just drop it in a little tiny soundbite in the three directs, and it's like, yeah, fair enough. Like we know it's coming, so that's fine. Um, I'm not sure what's left, really. I did a, I actually did a piece just after E3 finished of what was missing at the show, and the stuff that felt strange because it wasn't there. Um, as I said earlier, Sucker Punch, um, Bethesda's big new IPs weren't there which they've been working on internally. I mean, there's, there was the big Starfield leak before uh, E3, which obviously that came from 4chan, so we should have known. Yeah. No. Um, and it sounded ridiculous. Uh, the weird one, the, the one which hurt a bit for me was no From Software, which, we again, we know they're doing something. Um, we don't know what that is. But I, those ones... Go on. I was going to say, I think um, if that ends up being, say... Uh, a blood ring to uh yeah uh that probably could be um psx yeah i would have i mean if it, if it happens i'll explode blood bonds blood bonds, sorry not blood blood bonds. Bonds. one of my favorite games yeah, yeah. i i think there's a good oh, chance that could be a psx cool. exclusive okay. it, that would be phenomenal but even, even if they're moving away just what what are they doing as long as it's not sort of more like their mech stuff that's not what i don't think that's what people, <laughs> i mean i'm sure there's a huge market for that i don't think that's what people want from from soft anymore so i think it'd be interesting to see them maybe do a different uh, something completely different if they're not going to do any more souls likes as well but for the the sort of really big ridiculous announcements it's, it's getting tricky for the uh to think of those now um i, I mean i did a little i did a couple but yeah skate was I think people want Skate 4, but maybe they don't. People still want that Mother 3 localization. Yeah, oh Jesus, that is definitely one of them, yeah. <laughs> so there was a sign on uh, WWE Raw <laughs> like, two, like a week ago. I saw that, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah Mother 3, and I was like, yes, the legend. Oh, uh, boy. It was so good. Uh, but yeah, no, there's not, there's not a huge amount left anymore, I guess. There's not any sort of dead franchises that people want back that desperately no like there's there's random ones like i imagine there's people that might like to see like a a a dead space on next gen yeah Um, i think they ran that into the ground they they very much very much ran that into the ground and then some um i mean for me i'd like a new ssx but that's just because i really like ssx um i even thought the last one was really good uh, the one thing surprising, actually, is that because um, there was a whole thing with the uh, supposed hacked, leaked files from Cyberpunk 2077, and yeah. like, I think everyone was thinking either that that was a PR stunt by them, or that, okay, we'll definitely get something else at E3, and there was nothing at all, and that surprised me somewhat. Uh, so I don't know what the deal is with that. 
Yeah, I, I think they, I mean they played that really well. I, I don't think it was a PR stunt. Um, no, well, I I emailed them and they were like, "It's not a PR stunt." So I was yeah, like, okay, yeah. fair from, enough. <laughs> from their statement, I mean, we were uh, we the, so general tech stuff reporting as well on my side. We we do a bit of cybersecurity stuff. They played that perfectly because they just came out and said, "Look, we're, we're not going to give you anything. You can do one." Yeah. Um, the the footage they've got is way way we've gone way past that now even if you see it just ignore it it's not the game and that was that was a brilliant way of doing it so yeah i mean that um, i'm really looking forward to that i witcher is one of my big black marks i've not played a witcher game um so i've never played a cd project project or however you say a red game uh but cyberpunk i'm more of a sci-fi man than a fancy man so i am exactly exactly the same as you um so far up my street that i'm 100 percent going to be into that yeah my, my two big black marks are both the witcher and uh the lord of the rings game um oh shadow of mordor shadow of mordor oh, I, I played i played about two and a half hours of shadow of mordor i was like it's middle earth bollocks i don't care what the fucking nemesis system is like i don't care i'm not interested i i don't care about lord of the rings at all i actively don't like lord of the rings i think it's mostly nonsense which is not a popular opinion when you work in the sphere i do hey look you like, like you're preaching stuff. to the choir my friend that's, right. that's that's good that's good um but no the game is awesome if you just ignore all of the lord of the rings crap it's the um the, i can remember the name of the orc that bothered me from start to finish in that game uh which just kept kept, kept coming back and everyone's got that story my my guy was called brog the skinless and he kept returning, and I've, I've played that for two, 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 maybe two years. Um, I can still remember that guy's name because that nemesis system works so well. In, and, in fairness, Bruce's banter in this new one might sell me on it. Yeah, the the I mean they don't need to show it anymore because I think everyone's sold on it. Yeah, uh, they, need like, they don't have to do anything now at all. It, but yeah, no, that that looks great. Uh, the way they've expanded on it's fantastic. It's amazing that no one's taken that system or built on that system. And another AAA game is absolutely bizarre because it is unique, and it's one of the very few really unique mechanics left. And yeah, it's so strange that no one's—I mean, maybe someone is quietly, but there's fantastic design. Um, oh, the, oh, the only other big one, I guess, is Elder Scrolls Six, which, yeah, not a fancy guy, but Skyrim's obviously brilliant. So, but apparently they're not making that. <laughs> they're making new IP instead, Bethesda. So, which is fine because, that. like, Skyrim is on its adventure to be on every single console yeah, and exactly. piece of device. It will soon be on the Atari Twenty Six Hundred. Exactly. Well, <laughs> it's it, just so bad. In our news this week, I have a piece on the Atari, so you know, you never know. Oh um, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Uh, so we'll leave that there for E three, and uh, we will move on to uh, what we've been playing this week, which is a little bit later in. Uh, the timeline of uh, how these shows usually go, but you know, E3, it's a big Sorry. event, it happens, e yeah. you know. E3 is a big, big one, has to be broken down. So, anyway, yeah, uh, now we will talk about what we have been playing this week. Hey, check it out, I learned the baseline from Final Fantasy 2. Scott, you are the salt of the earth. Well, thanks. I meant scum of the earth. Thanks. So, I'm on a come down from two things. I'm come down from E3 and from putting a horrific amount of hours into Persona 5, which is phenomenal. Um, and it left that kind of... I mean, I, I guess I had Zelda before that as well, so that's a that's a quite a double bill. <laughs> that's a one-two, fucking hell. That's one hell. hell of a double bill. Like, that's two <laughs> game of the year contenders. 
definitely in a row. I mean, personally, I think Persona Five is better. Look, I've already but, given you my thoughts on Persona, so I'm just, I'm just not going to sit here. It's going to so good. It's going to um, dissolve into the air. <laughs> but I'm, but those are two long, long games. That's a lot of hours. So I, I kind of wanted a break. Um, and Overwatch is my comfort game by a huge margin. So I've been, I went back to that for the anniversary. Um, they've just added a new map, which is really mad because it's in, on the moon and there's a bit of low gravity bit, which is strange. Um, that was only yesterday, so it's only just gone up. Um, but other than that, I have been playing ARMS for, as I said, for review, uh, which is brilliant. Yeah, I'm really curious by ARMS because when it first got announced, I kind of just thought this looks really gimmicky in a Wii U Wii kind of gimmicky way, which is that it's fun for about five minutes as a tech demo, kind of like Switch 1 2. Once I've played it once, I'm like, okay, I know what this is. I don't need to play it anymore. But the more I keep reading about it from um, some of the stuff, uh, like a guy on uh, Twitter, Andy Houghton, who's very much into the fighting kind of uh, genre, uh, yeah. he has absolutely swarmed by it. Uh, and he's a pretty good judge of character, that kind of thing. And it looks like it's kind of on the surface, very easy to get into, but there's a lot of stuff going on underneath. And uh, yeah, I'm really intrigued by it. So, because I, I, I'm not a huge fighting game player, but from the people, as you say, there's been a lot of people who are really into fighting games, the fighting genre, who have taken to it as well and said, yeah, actually, no, this is fantastic and it's got the depth to it. I think even as a layman going into that, and just as somebody would just pick up a fighting game off the shelf, you can see the depth that's there beyond the sort of real surface throwing out a couple of punches. And um, I think um, there's a real when it. I mean, when it was announced, there was yeah, like you say, it, with one two switch, it felt like that was their focus of we've got motion controls too, which I think was a a bit of a a bit of a worry for some people. Um, and one, two switch is a collection of mini games that should have been packed in, obviously, um, the, the console for free, cause it is worth not very much at all. And it should definitely have come in as a bundle. Arms is definitely not that arms is the real deal. Um, I don't think I've played a better game that has better integration of motion controls, maybe galaxy, uh, Mario galaxy. But that's very minor, the way it's put into that game. ARMS is, it feels like a disservice if you're not playing it with motion control because it's, it's accurate but also completely inaccurate in a way that fits. So you're sort of throwing out these long punches or a uh, short-range punch and it can kind of curl off where you wanted it to, but also not, you're not quite in full control of where it's going. You, you never feel like where, where it's gone is because you messed up or you pointed in the wrong direction it's just sort of the feel of the game so i think i think it it doesn't have to be necessarily one-to-one -one control for it to work but it it just fits the controls so well um i think there's issues with it there's not enough in it at launch um but splatoon had the same sort of problem i think splatoons was offset by a huge single player campaign which this doesn't have which it's it's a fighting game it won't necessarily have that kind of level of i mean splatoon single player was an absolute shock it was incredible but um arms doesn't just under the surface of going online beating someone up which is brilliant there's not a huge amount of content underneath there's a few mini games which some of them aren't, aren't great um some of them don't play into the strengths of the gameplay um there's a horde, there's a horde mode which just is a, it's just there um there's a hoops game which is really good where you throw your other 
throw your other uh, opponent through a basketball hoop to get points. That works. But some of them just feel a bit too either you have to be accurate or they limit the amount of arms that actually work. So you, you can have different, uh, you attach different fists onto your, onto your arms. And then some of them do sort of like spread attacks. Some of them do uh, curling attacks and there's, there's a limit on, so there's a target game and there's a limit on which ones will hit all the targets to get the most amount of points. So I don't think they necessarily play into its strengths and there's not, I think the fact that you can play it on the moves, a bit of a saving grace for it because you can dip in and dip out and for parties it would be fantastic um so you're all throwing out punches everywhere but as a sort of single player game if you're only going to play it on your own and you're not necessarily want to going to want to go online there's not a huge amount there but the actual basics of the game and the gameplay itself is is very 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 good it's nintendo taking a genre and making it their own again um, just like they did with Splatoon and how they've done with so many different franchises. Um, yeah, it's this real, real winner from just getting out and they've already said they're going to support it for months to come. So good good times ahead for arms players as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I said, I, I read uh, earlier that it sold about 100,000 units in Japan, which is which is really good. Um, really good. And so, yeah, I, I think that they know that they're onto something here. Like, Does the game... Um... Does it have local co-op then? Did you say? Uh, you can, yeah. You can team up with each other. Um, I mean, you can use either motion controls or the gamepad. Um, so if you haven't got two, if you haven't got two lots of Joy Cons, um, which is understandable, the Joy Cons are expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, you can play if you've got a gamepad. Uh, you can you can uh, mix and match. So you, there's a co-op team battle where you are you're tethered together with an invisible bit of string so if your your buddy gets hit really hard and falls over it kind of yanks you along with it and trips you up as well those are a bit manic because you just you're just getting pulled from everywhere um but but you can also do verses so you can do verses uh two on two you can do verses uh four three four um yeah there's there's quite a lot of local options there as well i think as a party here is I mean, I, I, when I reviewed it, I compared it to Punch-Out, and the single player is very much like Punch-Out. Um, the multiplayer is more your wee boxing kind of fisticuffs with your mum and dad. Yeah. Um, where you just And it, it's accessible for those people as well, because there's, there's skill to it, but there's also a, a definite balance of you can pick this up and just play in a very, very Nintendo kind of way. But I think underneath that, if you did take it online, if you're just trying to, like, grabs are quite overpowered, but there's few ways of getting around them and if you're just constantly doing that online you're going to get punished um so there is enough there's enough depth there and i mean if you you go into the mechanics and there's, there's a lot there um so it, it yeah it, it hits both audiences really yeah i'm definitely um i don't know if i'll get that uh at the time i get my switch because i'll probably just get zelda to start with but um i do think my house i do think dave is is going to be getting it at some point so um hopefully some point in the near future i'll get a chance to to sit down and play it um and see what it's about uh i have uh played and finished and got the platinum and already given it back tekken 7 um <laughs> because the platinum on that game 
is uh, absurdly easy to obtain because basically you just go through the story mode. Um, there's a couple of things um, like get to certain parts of some of the stages uh, and then the, the online thing. Like I was expecting it to be like I'll do like 100 games in online and win like 10 matches in a row or something. But no, it's just win one online, win one ranked win one tournament and then play 10 games. Um, now that was a little bit difficult at first because the servers were kind of on fire for the first few days um, and actually getting into play a game was, was borderline impossible but they have fixed that which was great uh, for the last two days that I had the game. Uh, but like, I mean, it's Tekken and so if you like Tekken it feels very much like that. Like since they kind of rejigged the, the, the engine with Tekken 3 uh, like, it's been pretty consistent since then, um, other than, like, a couple of misfires with Tekken 4, which felt a bit slow. But, like, basically, like, if you like Tekken 3 and Tekken 5, uh, it feels very much along that. It's very fast, very fluid. Um, I'm not a, a frame rate nerd by any means, but, you know, it flows at 60 frames and, you know, it feels really good. Uh, everything pops, every punch, there's a, a, an explosion, there's a you know, there's colours all over the place. It's a very colourful game. It's a very vibrant game. Uh, you know, it's 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 just metal as fuck in places. Like the <laughs> the soundtrack is the like the character select screen is proper pumping. It, um, it is because I've played I've played a little bit of it. I switched I switched on it a couple of hours, and the the soundtrack for the character selection menu is just like i've got to turn this down this is far too loud yeah i mean, I had it on pretty loud and it's like this proper kind of dubstep kind of like what yeah. what the fuck where did this come like, from what's happening yeah <laughs> not fighting yet am i ah. um yeah no it, it was funny because i haven't played a tekken game probably since tekken 3 way but way back when um and booted this up immediately we just went into a fight straight away and it just felt like tekken 3 yeah I was like, what have I, I've not missed anything, I don't think, in between here, apart from all the shenanigans with the... Well, uh, you've missed the, 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 the story. story. You've missed the story about who's been thrown into a volcano at any one yeah, point in the, time. The, the, that's, I mean, it's just just mad. There's yeah. Some very strange stuff in there. So here's the thing, right. So um, now I was... Uh, so uh, again, bringing him up, uh, Andy Hamilton, like he, last year he was banging on that like Street Fighter Five is great and f don't even be concerned about the story at all like if you want to play a fighting game you play it and um you know if you're if you don't want to buy it because of the story mode you're looking at this completely wrong and i was against that because i really liked the the reboot of mortal kombat and yeah. the injustice games i thought the, the way they in, um incorporated the storyline yeah. into that fighting engine i thought was great i haven't played injustice 2 yet but i hear it does the same thing it does it very well only the story is even better in injustice 2 i'm, I'm gonna pick that up over the summer i think yeah i think i'm gonna try and get that at some point um with that said if, if i'm applying his logic to, to tekken he's absolutely right because the story mode in that game is bollocks um <laughs> the voice acting is uh that kind of like they've got japanese actors and actresses to do the voice acting but they don't actually know like the um the nuances of, of speaking English and like the influxes and where to actually kind of put words. It's just one monotone sentence after another. Um, it's not interesting. It's, it's like, I use the phrase anime as fuck, and that can actually be a positive and a negative connotation, but it's very much in the negative side of things here. Uh, it's just a storyline that doesn't go anywhere. Um, I, I was really looking forward to it because 
Tekken and like its story is absolutely bonkers because you know people are getting thrown into volcanoes left, right, and center, and that's a good time. It's great. There's a guy who's a devil for some reason. Oh, it's all crazy. It just it doesn't capture that essence. Um, it reminds me more of the Tekken live action film, which if you've never seen, try and keep it that way because it's really bad. Yeah. Has it got a has it got like a so bad it's good feel to it? No, or is, no, it's is it bad. It's just really disappointing. Uh, like I got to a point about halfway through where I was just hammering through the cutscenes because it's just like none of this is interesting. Like none of the, the acting, uh, none of the characters feel like, in any way interesting. There's nothing here to grab towards because like there's some reporter who is um, doing like monologue sequences at the start of each chapter, and his bits just go on forever and. Again, because the acting is really bland, it's like I'm you, you're just pining for the the scene uh, skip button like pretty much straight away. Um, it's like I just want to get to the fighting at this point. So like in that essence, there, yeah, uh, Tekken Seven it really uh, falls flat. But in terms of the fighting, like if you've ever played Tekken and like Tekken, it's it's you know up there with with the best in terms of uh, how smooth it plays, how good it feels. Um, and I can still do my 10-hit combo with Yoshimitsu. So, you know, that's good enough for me. That's what you need. And, uh, yeah, and the servers work again now. So, you know, that's that's a good time. Uh, so, if you're not too interested at this point, like, when it goes down 20 quid in a couple of months' time, uh, it's probably worth picking up, uh, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, like, massively okay on the characters, but I did boot up the character menu and saw pretty much everyone I remembered. And then, randomly, Akuma at the top. Yeah, I, th- that whole and actually, I will say this: I got really pissed off with the the like secret ending um, in the story mode because you fight Akuma and he's in like OP mode, and the way that you fight him and the way that that fight takes place is completely alien to anything else in the game, and it's like you have to rewire the way that you play Tekken to win that fight. It's really um, odd. Seems really bizarre. Yeah, he's got, he's got a special meter. He has, as well. he has a special like, meter instead of. Yeah. Well, he gets his own bar. It's like it's like for that moment there, you get that uh, Street Fighter Cross Tekken game. I can't remember which yeah. which way was it because I know there was one. It was the Street Fighter Cross Tekken that we got. Yeah, and it was, but not it's the, the Tekken it's Street Fighter with Tekken characters, but Tekken Cross Street Fighter. Yeah, is it's vaporware. I guess it's not a thing. <laughs> yeah, so we'll put that on our list of of games that at some that's point. The, might... Yeah, that's one of the maybe one day. I mean, that's kind of the one I think people wanted to see. Sure. Because I think it's stranger to... I mean, I guess not, because Akuma kind of works in that world, but there's definitely some weirder characters in... I mean, I'd love to see Blanker in uh, a Tekken game. Like, how how would that work? Uh-huh. Yeah. So there's definitely... That would maybe mechanically be a bit stranger, I guess. Oh, maybe Dalsim would be a very weird one. In a... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so the one that I mean the thing that sold sold me in Tekken 7 easily is that uh, the the game is massively uh, customizable Um, there's loads of different like because they've really been working on this over the last couple of games where uh, each character just has a ton of different outfits that you can use and um, one of King's outfits is uh, Kashika Okada's outfits from New Japan Pro Wrestling because New Japan and Tekken have a, a kind of cross promotion deal going on so you can dress him up in Okada's gear and do his finishing move the Rainmaker and it's fucking awesome so cool. as soon as I did that I was like yep game of the year for me 10 out of 10 10 Done. out of 10 <laughs> so on that note uh, we will leave the games and uh, we will spend a bit of time looking at the news
Either Sega back catalogue or Sega's back catalogue is heading to mobile with Sega Forever. So free games, uh, one every two weeks, in kind of like a I feel like a slight uh, dig at what Nintendo are planning to do by doing it kind of better at the moment. Although Nintendo are sort of revising how that's all going to work with their sort of Netflix model. Uh, from Eurogamer, most of these are from Eurogamer this week. Uh, could there be a more perfect example of Nintendo's philosophy than the NES Mini? To Nintendo, video games exist somewhere inside the relationship between hardware and software. So even if you're offering a bunch of emulated classics, you should make that box uh, that comes fit for purpose. Yes, Nintendo might have released a ROM for Super Mario that is nicked off the internet, <laughs> which is true, but the Virtual Console has never felt like the company at its most thoughtful. So it's fascinating to see Sega are now doing a similar thing. Um, I don't know how much of this you've read. Uh, I think this was announced today or yesterday. Yeah, right. yeah. Uh, Sega Forever. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, it's a cracking idea. Um, there's a proposition. It's ridiculous. Um, there's a. I mean, there's no reason not to. It's free. Um, it, it, first thing I thought was, what on earth does Nintendo do now? Because um, it, it, it just whatever they're planning on doing. I mean, there's the stigma around playing classic games on mobile because of the controls. But I said immediately, if you had a good tablet and you've got a Bluetooth controller, you've essentially got Sega's retro catalogue just for free. Um, from what I've read, it's one ninety nine to take the ads off. But even if you don't want to, uh, that's for each game. So every time, you down, every time you've got a new game, two quid if you want to take take away all those adverts. But from, from what uh, Sega have said, the ads will only be at the start menu, uh, not during the game at all. So they'll be there, but they won't be where you're playing the game. So you've got Comic Zone coming in the in the first batch, and you've got uh, Sonic, I think, coming in the first batch as well. So you're going to be able to play those games with no ads, no charge on a mobile device. I mean, it's quite an offer, and they've been teasing it. They've been teasing this Sega for everything for a little while, and I think everybody got a bit jaded. I think I had. Because <laughs> uh, as soon as they said, mo as soon as the hint of mobile came into, I was like, "Oh God!" Because uh, you can already get a few. I think Streets of Rage has been on every phone that's ever existed. Yeah. Um, but the fact that they're doing it in this method, and it's like a Netflix model, but you don't have to pay anything. There's there's no reason you wouldn't do it. I think it changes. It'd be interesting to see how people follow up, how different companies follow up on this, um, because. That has kind of changed the value of retro games. It's a 50-50 thing. Uh, I think it's, it's always a tricky conversation when you're talking about how much is this game worth because it's older. Um, just because it's older doesn't necessarily mean it's <clears throat> any less valuable than something that released yesterday. Um, but they have changed the way we're going to look at it. Everyone's going to have to look at it. And, yeah, Nintendo, for sure, are going to have to be very careful with what they do with the Virtual Console. Um, I mean, their original plan... The subscription model sounded awful where it got removed from your system no nobody's going to want that um but if they're going to do a similar sort of model um i think i think it'll work okay but yeah sega really pulled a fast one i think on a few companies here well i think um price perception for, for older games i mean that has uh changed over the years like you know at some point uh, Sega will announce, oh, by the way, you can buy like 60 Sega Mega Drive games for like five quid on Steam. 
Um, but this is the first time where it's come to mobile, as far as I'm aware, like in this kind of manner. And I think that um, I don't know if it in any way plays Nintendo's hand to do anything different because. I mean, let's be honest, Nintendo don't really give a fuck. They can do what they want. And yeah, they, they, they definitely can. We'll, we'll still have to do it. Yeah. So, like, I, I can't imagine that they would follow this model to a T. But we've also seen that that whole what they're doing with Virtual Console, like NES games, is all still up in the air. And, like, I, I definitely don't think that the, uh, the original announcement, like, I don't think it will be anywhere near what that is and i don't i don't think it will be what sega are doing here now um i do think that it'll be somewhere in the middle um hopefully with the you know you'll keep that game for free because let's be honest like pretty much every nes game has been on some virtual console uh, platform for you know the last 10 years or so and it's like how much money are they really losing by like having Mega Man 2 giving that out for free considering i've bought that game about 10 times yeah and, you know bought it on the ps4 last year with the Mega Man collection and would probably buy it again because i'm an idiot so like i just yeah i don't think it matters too much you know saying oh here's super mario world for free or even if it's just nes games here's mario brothers super mario brothers 3 for free you know i don't think it, it's it's that much of a, a, a a burden on their bottom line. In fact, I don't think it is at all. Yeah, I mean, the dream announcement for Nintendo doing their their thing is if they say, yeah, all the virtual console games you bought on Wii U and 3DS will, will be on Switch. Ah, and ah, you won't pay ah. for them again. I think that's too much of a dream. I don't think it's going to happen. But as, as long as they say, this is it now. That's, and a, that's, that's online like, with a Skate 4 announcement. All right. that it, I think if they did it, they would, they would definitely get a lot of... I mean, the, the press would be very positive about that. I think that's that is the dream announcement. But I do think it is a dream. Yeah. Um, as long as they say that's it now, I think that's enough, and I think they still get to get money again for all the games they're going to re-release, and they can sell Pokemon Snap again four years down the line after the console releases. So the, they can do that. For for my, I do think, yeah, as you say, they're, they're two different. They are two different kettles of fish. The fact that they're both retro games kind of puts them in the same same ballpark but for for mobile it's really interesting because you you've got the other players in the mobile sphere and say you were one of the bigger ones because they they have I mean, Mega Man 2 they've released on android of the ace attorney games which i again one of my favorite series they've released those on mobile a lot of times um not not necessarily retro games but they're a big player in the mobile space square enix are probably the other i mean aside from ea who just released shovelware to the end of time on mobile mobile devices square enix probably the other big one and they charge a hell of a lot for their stuff yeah um the re-releases of final fantasy are 15 quid you're not going to get any budge on that they might do a sale but anything that's classic from their range that they put on there that they know will sell they won't sell any less than over 10 quid and that like rehauled version of final fantasy 6 was awful the, yeah, the ui on that good lord right they re-released Final Fantasy VI so many times and every re-release has been bad. Yeah. So the emulated version, which has still got the load times or the, the horrible-looking version on mobile. Um, but I think for those people, it's going to be interesting to see how they react and see if anybody else sees what Sega are doing and jumps on the same bandwagon. Mm-hmm. I mean, Sega's kind of got that Nintendo appeal to it where it can go back that far because it's got that catalogue because obviously they were the big two rivals at the time. Yeah. And they- they're as fondly remembered as Nintendo, but it'll be interesting to see if people do 
see what they're doing and go, oh, yeah, we could, could get a quick buck out of mobile just with releasing these. And I'm curious to see as well, like, are they just going to be straight up ROMs of these games? Or, like, you had um, uh, the, the Christian Whitehead's uh, project with Sonic CD and I think Sonic 2. And the, yeah, I think the original two, two Sonics as well, because uh, they're doing Sonic Mania. Like, so are any of these going to be in any way, like, rehauled versions of the game? Or is it just going to be straight up ROMs? I presume it's just going to be that, basically. I think it's just, yeah, I think it's just going to be ROMs. I mean, that's what they did with uh, the Steam stuff. So I'd imagine they're just going to do, they're just going to be straight straight ports yeah i mean because it's been like interesting over the last year or two like we saw with this new uh street fighter 2 game for switch like you know having online functionality with that which is kind of mental uh still doesn't justify the price of it but it's still like hey here's this game that's over 20 years old that we've now just like installed online features into that's Mm. pretty weird but awesome at the same time yeah that was yeah that was strange i think i got an update for a Game Boy Advance game on a 3DS a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> what an update for this? Are you joking? Uh, yeah, no, that that is weird. Yeah. To follow on from that announcement, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog is set to star in his first feature film, oh, which will be produced by Sony Pictures and combine live action with animation. Um, okay. Uh, all right. I mean, I saw this as I was leaving work today. <laughs> um, like, Fair enough. So, Sega Chief Executive uh, Hajime Sato uh, confirmed the movie is set to be released in 2018, so not long, kids. Uh, Sega Sammy Group is currently planning with Sony Pictures to create a live-action and animation hybrid Sonic the Hedgehog movie scheduled for release in 2018. basically what he said. Uh, Live, uh, like with this CGA animation production, we would like to expand our business into other entertainment areas uh, beyond what we are currently involved in. Yeah, uh, fine, cool. It's a Sony Pictures project. I it's didn't a get that. Sony Pictures project, a live action oh, oh. So- Sonic film with CGI. I mean, Sony Pictures have got such a good track record. They're taking on uh, established IP as well. Good God. Uh, They're looking for a big hit, and this isn't it. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I mean, I don't know what... Um, the last couple of Sonic games have sold like, but I feel like I feel like Lost Worlds did okay, even though it was on the Wii U. I don't know how um, Rise of Lyric did because obviously it was panned because it was awful. But I feel was like Sonic, wasn't Sonic Boom as well. Sonic Boom was after Sonic Rose. Boom Rise of Lyric. That's that's what this full time. Oh, is that what it is? The yeah, full yeah. thing that got panned across the board. Yeah, because it was atrocious. Um, and like I feel like they must keep making these games because they must be selling to some degree. I should have got the the facts and pigs up to have a look because i can't understand why sega would keep doing this to themselves um but you know there are people that are very much into sonic and sonic lore and And fair enough weirder sonic stuff and weirder (laughs) sonic stuff and you know like some people really into the relationship between sonic and amy and you know more power to you yeah you, you you do you do you um the um the character creator is maybe geared towards that in the uh Sonic, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's a the depths of the internet you just don't want to get into. No, so um, I mean, I will go and see that because you know I'm a morbid. Got it, you? <laughs> you, 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 you have to. It is the thing, right? Because like uh, video game adaptation films for since the dawn of time have largely been awful or a varying degree of mundane, and. Like, this has to be on the scale of, like, pure car crash, so awful, 
the room type territory. Like if they if they get Tom, Tommy Wiseau in this, then all right, like that that yeah yeah this film is not going to be anywhere near as good as that. So I don't know why I've even tried to hype myself up with such a idea. Um, still, it won't it's be. Probably, it's probably a better pitch than what they've got. It won't be as bad as Max Payne, so because I still maintain that's the worst. I haven't seen that. I saw um, the worst one I've seen in recent memory was the Assassin's Creed one. Yeah, I didn't watch that because I knew it would just be. Like, Holy God, is it bad? Like it's I thought, even Fassbender's awful. not going to redeem this. He uh, cashes his paycheck very, very well. Yeah, um, but for. That is a shocker. Because if there's another uh, series as well where I don't pay attention to the law, it's Assassin's Creed as well. Saying Assassin's Creed is so up its own ass as well. That oh film. man, it takes itself very, very seriously. It's gloomy and awful. Oh, it's just really bad. So do not, do not watch that. I um, will I mean, take your advice on that. Yeah, yeah, just don't, just. Touch <laughs> it. Um, the only one. I, I mean, this is the fact that it's live action and CGI. What? An, I'm not quite sure what that means. Like I'm, because <laughs> the only thing I can, the only the thing that was sprung immediately to mind was like Ratchet and Clank, because that that worked, I yeah, guess. Yeah. I haven't seen it, but it looked like Ratchet and Clank, because it is that that looked like them. That was fine. Um, but for, for me, CGI. For me, what I've got in my mind is, um, did you? The word I'm going to use is experience. Any of the 2006 Sonic games. I've I've seen enough to know that I'm glad I missed it. But okay. I know where I think I know where you're going. Yeah. So like you know there are scenes where you have a, a princess and there's a Sonic. Uh, there's a Sonic. There's a hedgehog that is called Sonic. There's blue and like six feet tall, whatever. And it's like just, there's just some weird kind of stuff going on there between a human and a hedgehog. And hey, everyone needs you know to be loved, and that's great. Maybe, that's awesome. Maybe this is just a film exclusively for the fairy market. Maybe. I'm maybe, gonna, maybe that's maybe maybe I'm getting a real bad taste so, in my mouth right now thinking about it. <laughs> maybe Sony Pictures have found a niche that nobody else has found and they've gone, yeah. But yeah, that that's the only thing that I can think in my head at the moment, that the horrible kiss between Sonic yeah. and that princess is gonna be between a real life person and a CGI Sonic. I tell you what, I tell you what, right. I tell you how they could possibly redeem this. If they can get Tim Curry to be Do- Dr. Robotnik yeah, all right. You, you, I, all right, because that, that could be kind of uh, Raul Julia kind of levels of hamming it up. Because, um, you know, to this day, I maintain Street Fighter live action is terrible, but, you know. Raul, it's, it's really bad, but Raul, it's, it's, it's fun bad. M. Bison almost redeems that film. Um, yeah, really yeah, and like, you know, Tim Curry, Tim Curry is like one of my kind of favorite sort of voice actors. So there's potential here, but it will be terrible. So. Yeah, we've spent far too long talking about Sonic the Hedgehog film. Uh, Steam sale begins uh, tomorrow, so around about the time that uh, this uh, podcast goes up. Um, Do you do any kind of PC gaming at all? Uh, So I've got a Mac. Yeah, uh, same, same. (laughs) I mean, Steam now does Mac. It does, true. That was brilliant when that happened a few years ago. Not Um, much runs on mine at this point, though, to be fair. See, I've got a nice new iMac, which, ah, is, right. which is very, very lovely, and it does yeah, I don't... most of the stuff now. Um, uh, to be honest, I don't play. Uh, I tend to play indies that I can't get on console. On yeah, sure. Mac. Um, that's what I generally use it for. So most sort of AAA stuff, I wouldn't put on. I, I only Steam for. I mean, a, a lot of Telltale stuff I play on Mac. Um, hey, Undertale's coming to Vita and PS4. So yes, that's a good one. 
that's that's definitely uh, I will rebuy that in a second if only because I can get my Vita out again because I love my Vita <laughs> I need to find mine oh they're so good I love my Vita mine is buried under a mountain in the clothes probably somewhere it had Persona 4 Golden on it so it must be great oh yeah that's yeah that's where we almost fell out once anyway um, yeah so <laughs> Steam Summer Sale uh, yeah I mean going back to actually like what we were just talking about a little bit about kind of price perception and I do think that Steam at this point and its sales because they just seem to have flash sales uh, at any given time and and uh, I don't have an Xbox but certainly with the PS4 as well like you know there are uh, flash sales all the time and it is crazy where a game will come out at, um I mean for us over here it's usually between 60 to 70 euros and I imagine it's still about 45 quid back home yeah yeah uh, and like a game will come out like titanfall 2 was the one like that was out and yeah. then within a month that was 20 that was, quid that was insane um and it does make me kind of feel like like why does anyone buy games at launch at this point uh it just i, I get why obviously because you know you want to be online playing straight away and whatnot but it's just the amount of money you can save by just waiting a month or two months at this point um I don't think it's it's damaged the market that much. Um, not as much as I kind of predicted. I thought it would. Maybe a year or two ago, probably about two, three years ago, actually. Um, but certainly, just as these sales um, are more and more prevalent, um, yeah, I always wonder kind of what the struggle is between developers and publishers and platforms like Steam and when they do these kinds of sales. And again, it's been out for a couple of months. Is just half price, you know. Yeah, I mean, the time for what was really weird because obviously it didn't sell great, and then they were just trying to clog them for whatever. Yeah, um, which is really a shame because time for two is fantastic. Um, but the, the it's weird that the sales, uh, these kind of sales, are on digital stores where digital prices are historically way higher than they are if you walk into a shop. Sometimes, um, not if you buy them online, if you get a, you get a proper copy, but if you're buying, if you're sort of in, over in the UK, if you're walking into a game store and you're looking at a price and then you look at a digital market, there's sometimes a five quid difference on there. PC is slightly different because, um, I mean, Steam obviously got the monopoly on PC games, but especially on sort of like the PSN store, uh, again, not to, not to keep bringing up Persona, but um, that sold out everywhere. You could not get that anywhere. You could walk into any shop pretty much across the whole of the UK and us and it was it just wasn't there you couldn't find it it was on psn but it was 54 quid now the price difference there is maybe five ten pounds but it's still five ten pounds that people don't necessarily want to spend and it's still probably i think it's still 54 quid on there as well yeah um from from what i remember but that the, the start price on digital is still really high mm-hmm. and interestingly digital sales are so hard to find and reporting on how well a game is sold is always interesting because unless the publisher sort of reveals that information, um, the charts never actually collate the digital sales in the in sort of initial reporting. So you're just going off box. Um, so it, it'd be interesting to know how much of a sort of how, how many people pick up these games day one just off the digital store just because it's there and they can just download it straight away. And yeah, I, I do think that that is one of the key things like um, when you have midnight launches, like. They, for example, you know, he has purchased games where, you know, he's bought it a couple of days beforehand and they'll have the incentive that, hey, you can start downloading this and you can start playing it at midnight. You know, that that is a, 
a thing that, you know, some people will pay six quid to have something that they've purchased, you know, delivered the next day. Like, I, for me, I'm more than happy to wait a week. You know, just some people don't have patience and have yeah, I've money. Yeah, I've worked in game retail and I've seen queues for Call of Duty going out of the shop. Oh, yeah. Going through a whole shopping centre at midnight. You just think, what are you doing? Just, just order it, mate. You can get it the next day. Um, normally with their mums, so their mums have to buy it for the little kids, uh-huh. which is depressing, but yeah. you know. Um, but yeah, I guess if you're just downloading it, it's much easier, and maybe it's worth a little bit extra. But I think over time, sort of, you, you, I mean, me personally, I, I wait for the sales because you know they're coming. Yeah, you, you might as well. And if if I as a sort of someone who reviews games as well, I've got a relatively busy schedule most of the time. Of right, I'm doing that next month. So anything that I want to play in my personal time, I will just wait for a price drop. Horizon, I haven't played. Um, I'm going to wait till the summer where it will probably be 25 quid. I think it's already 25 quid. So the, the drop is huge. And I think, um, I think as well, like for this year in particular, because there's so many fucking games, like yeah. it's like, okay, well I've got Zelda, but you know, I'm going to be playing this probably for like two months. And in between I'll have a buffer, whether it's, you know, Overwatch or for me, Rocket League. And that's it. That's, that's all I need for the next two months. And at that point, a game that came out like say Resident Evil 7 or Horizon Zero Dawn, you know, that will have 10, 15, 20 quid taken off by then. Um, so it's it's great in that we have so many games and it is, you know, kind of great for us as well because it, you just you don't have to buy a game straight away because there's just so yeah. many other games at, at this moment in time. And there's so many games from last year I still haven't played, like Titanfall yeah, 2, for example. I've had uh, Dishonored 2 on the pile for months. Yeah. And, uh, it's just like, oh, well, we should get to that at some point. I mean, most of the things that launched this year are long games as well. Yeah. I mean, for all its apparent faults, I'm not, I haven't played it, so I don't really want to judge it, but uh, Mass Effect Andromeda, we've seen the gifts, so it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I, I really want to play it, but it's that's another 50, 60-hour commitment in, if I'm not doing the masses of side quests. And between that and Horizon, that's two huge open-world games that are definitely going to take a huge chunk out. Um, it's a shame that stuff like Resi 7 maybe got lost. A, I mean, it did quite well for Capcom, um, but maybe got lost a little bit in the shuffle because um, that, that was great. Um, but yeah, they, these are all really long games and you can't, you, there's no way you could play them all at once unless you're just sitting there after work every day like six hours in it over the weekend just busting through something uh someone my age no doesn't have that kind of time yeah <laughs> i wish i did that'd be great but right. oh, yeah. to be to be a teenager again and yeah responsibilities huh yeah, but i think so. i think like a resident evil 7 is actually a good example of a game that came out the start of the year got really good reception um and, you know, there are people that are like, okay, well, I've got so much stuff from 2016 that I'm playing. You know, I can wait till the summer. It'll be half price at that point. I'll get a copy then. Yeah. Um, again, like, stuff like digital sales will be really interesting to see games of that ilk and, and how, like, the the selling of them kind of fluctuates. Because um, for me, like, off the top of my head, the only game that I think about that just constantly sells is just GTA Five. You know, that just sells more copies than in anything else. Um, yeah. Although their Steam reviews now look great. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. I don't actually have that on my news this week, but um, yeah, that's uh, that's, yeah, the, that's the first that's the first kind of bad PR stunt they've had in a while uh, that I can think of. But hey, you know, again, they've sold enough copies that they're good for, yeah, all, I don't know, the next 50 odd years. I think Steam's a, the Steam sales are weird. They're, they're like a 
they're a cultural thing now that is strange and they just pop up and it's like oh my god it seems so gaben and, and all this crap the game is gonna give me all the games oh my god like i used to be excited well, by it. I, think, I think it's weird because there's been so many that they've i think if they kept it to just one Maybe it felt like more like an event, but now, as you say, there's winter ones now as well. And well that's the thing. It's certainly over winter because you have fucking you have like um, there's like maybe an autumn one, and you've got Black Friday sales, and then you've got winter straight after, and then maybe like a January flash sale as well. It's like yeah. I'm pretty sure over the, the the span of like the last four months of 2016, there was a sale on every other week or so. Um, yeah. Anyway, it's um, always the same sort of games as well. So the, the normally ones you, unless there's something particular you're looking out for, it tends to be the same stuff again and again. And it's like, well, I've already got it. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I've seen Mad Max on sale for like a fiver, like for the last year or now, and it's like, uh, <laughs> I don't need a, I don't need it. I don't need a forty hour, uh, seven out of ten campaign, but. Maybe. I don't know. Um, mm. Last week, uh, we announced and everyone saw that uh, IO Interactive now have the rights to Hitman, which is great because that was linked to the cast game of 2016. And we were a little bit worried, and so was everyone else, that, um, you know, just Hitman would cease to exist. Uh, but that doesn't look to be the case anymore. And to go along with that, the beginning of uh, Hitman is free today for everyone on PC, PS4, and Xbox One. Um, so that uh, includes the first location, two story missions, two escalation contracts, and more than 40 challenges and 17 achievements and trophies, uh, which is great. You know, that gives you a really good feel for the game because Paris is, you know, probably one of the best maps in Hitman to really yeah. give you a feel of what that game is in a nutshell. Um, and like, so just, it, it is a shame that Hitman didn't sell as well as it did. Um, and I don't know how much of that was the, the, the episodic way that they approached doing that game which maybe financially wasn't the best approach but just for like giving you time to take each uh area each um uh location and just really kind of break it down and and figure out every kind of kind of nut and bolt that that area had um i think from that perspective uh that was the ex the absolutely right approach to to hitman uh, so I'm really hoping that uh, everyone goes and, and picks up uh, this free demo. I think for as haphazardly as the release schedule was put together, because I think initially I think it was meant to be two parts, and then the the monthly schedule came about. It's the perfect, it's the perfect perfect structure for Hitman. It maybe wasn't the best structure for sales, which is is a shame, I, I guess, in hindsight. But it, it worked, and I think the people who did pick it up loved it i mean you, it was your guys game of the year it was third in ours uh just behind uh inside and overwatch but we we adored it man um it's fantastic it's great news that um i get to both keep the ip and get full uh ownership of uh season one now as well all the all the money going to them i think Fair play to Square Enix. Yeah, everyone's surprised because everyone was just like straight up cynic. Look, there, there's no way Square Enix yep. are going to hand this off. Like, yeah, I, I was. Um, it just doesn't happen. Publishers love IP. They hoard IP if they can. Um, they'll buy them from other companies and then keep them and never do anything with them. EA sat on a small fortune of IP that it won't touch, but it's got them. The fact that they said, yeah, we're done with maybe Hitman, done with IO for whatever reasons behind the scenes, potentially financial. The fact that they've, I, mean, I don't necessarily, the, the decency, I guess, they, they've handed it 
rightfully over to io it's it's their baby yeah uh, whatever happens to the other ip that io worked on i'm a big freedom fighters fan i would love a sequel please do that <laughs> if you can but if it's going to be just hitman then just do hitman uh, season two just get on it get it get it going um it's funny because i think I think Paris is a brilliant introduction to uh, the season, the way they've now set up, so it's completely free. It's a shame Sapienza, Sapienza doesn't get in there. Yeah. Because Sapienza is the definitive level from from uh, new Hitman, rebooted Hitman. Uh, but I also get why it's not, because it's the best one you've got. If you can sell it, you will. Um, I mean, I, unfortunately, I, just because of commitments i dropped out of hitman uh, after episode four i think um so i haven't i still haven't got to the american or tokyo levels which i hear the tokyo level is uh, phenomenal um but it's it's one of those games that i'll definitely get back to um just because it's just so dense I've stuck so many hours in some of those levels you don't really think about it like you easily can do 20 to 30 hours per map if you're doing every uh, contract um, when the escalation targets come along, those exclusive targets. Like, there are so much in each of those levels, um, and I think that's maybe something that people kind of take for granted. Like, you can easily get 100 to 120 hours into that game, uh, which, you know, if... if the whole game was released as, it, as a full package, like, that's probably comes across as quite daunting, quite intimidating to, you know put in the hours and really explore these areas fully. I just don't think some people would have done that if it had been released but, in its entirety. Yeah, I had that real-world argument with a couple of people where they said, like, oh, yeah, I love Hitman, but I'm not I'm not doing this episodic structure. That's that's stupid. Um, what if the next one's rubbish? I've just been like, this is so good. You need to get on this. It, there is so much in each episode that would keep you going for a solid month until the next one comes along and you probably might not be finished you've probably got more to see and even then there was sort of like bespoke challenges that came up as well people there's a, a generation website where it generates uh what to do in the level uh just you just click a button and it tells you you've got to kill this person and there's these you've got to take this weapon and you've got to start at this location and there was youtubers doing kill everyone runs um just really cool stuff but it just shows that the sandbox design was so tight and there's so much to play around with in there. It was just a phenomenal design for Hitman. It brought back the the Blood Money style um, uh, after the Absolution was just not good. Um, it, yeah, it, it was fantastic. And I really hope people do jump on it now because there's no excuse not to. It's free. Get it. It's also gone down in price on the Xbox One store today as well. So just, just get it. It's wonderful. Yeah, my hope from this is that... Um... It now just picks up, and you know the, the lost sales from last year for whatever reason, like that gets corrected. Because if there's any kind of rightful justness in the world, um, IO Interactive will be able to kind of just continue on as a self-sustaining uh, company um, with Hitman as you know their kind of the financial cash cow. Because uh, you know they deserve to make all the money in the world, and uh, it's a shame that it didn't happen. But you know, uh, just fair play square enix um uh, uh, something that you don't usually see in uh the sometimes fickle video game industry uh, speaking of fickle video game industry in what <laughs> has not come as a surprise to me there are leaked images that reveal uh there will be a standalone call of duty modern warfare rebastard uh which 
I fucking called when this first thing was announced, um, and I'm pretty sure other people did as well. Um, are you surprised by this at all? Nope. No. No. Nope. <laughs> it, it was always going to happen, wasn't it? The, the fact that it's taken so long is a bit of a kick in the what? teeth. How much was the, the special edition? I can't remember. Was it 80? Uh, it's, yeah, around that. Um, yeah. And, no, and I mean, uh, Advanced War, Infinite, whatever it was. The, the, the game that it was attached to, nobody gave a shit about. No. They, they wanted... No. They wanted Call of Duty 4 remastered, which fair play, it's a phenomenal shooter. Call of Duty is not really my thing, but oh no, I, I've not like, cared about like everyone. I played Modern Warfare. And, yeah, uh, yeah, it was. We awesome. were all seventeen ones. Brilliant. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, yeah, I think everybody would want to pick it up again, give it another go, see if it still stands up. I hear it does. I also hear there's microtransactions in it, which is a bit shady. Not sure about that. I mean, for me, like, I I genuinely enjoyed the, the campaign of Modern Warfare, and I would be had been more than happy to pay, like, 20 quid, pick it up, smash through the, the campaign, and then put it down and never look at it again, because I do have... I'm so far gone from, like, online gaming for, like, uh, first-person shooters. Anything like Mario Kart or uh, a fighting game, sure, I'll, I'll go for it. Um, but online first-person shooters, I just do not have the time nor day for anymore. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I I would have happily have given them twenty quid, and you know, away away I'd have gone. Um, yeah, it's got classic levels in it. It's got the it's not uh, all gillied up. I think it's the the sniping level. It's great. But yeah, it, I mean, it was it was always coming. I, I, I don't know if they've announced pricing. It'd be interesting if it's going for full. I'd imagine they'd be able to charge. I mean, that. that really would seal the deal for this whole shambles if they went. Oh, by the way, it's fifty quid. This is the bad move all around. But, uh, yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, I wonder, like, how that will. Uh... I mean, there's a core portion of the audience that won't care one way or the other, but I, I do wonder because the the perception of Call of Duty and the uh, kind of reception that that game has gotten over the last few years. I mean, for most kind of. Um, journalists that I see about it, it's like okay whatever call of duty don't care at this point but um you know i do wonder from the, the kind of core audience is this is this the, the to the turning point where they're like no fuck you you burnt me on this i in fairness it's your fault to the person that bought it for 80 quid that only wanted modern warfare remastered because we all knew it was fucking coming at some point um but yeah i'm curious to see what the the reaction and, and the kind of consequences of this um a year down the line or two years down the line when all uh, says, i think i think it's a very good job they've got uh world war Two for the next one i think if it was another futuristic call of duty after all this debacle i think there would have been a backlash i think the fact that they've gone back to to quote them their roots i think i think that was the ground they they love that so yeah i think the world war Two setting will change that i think people will jump back in yeah i just it because this is like the the second or third time. No, it's the third time now we've gone back to World War Two with Call of Duty, and it's like, how many times are we going to spin this wheel? It just, but... it just does nothing for me. But yeah. so there's, there's people out there. Play Overwatch if you're on an online shooter. It's much better. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Or you know, if they can finally, uh, actually, you know, what? I'll add that to my golden carrot. If they can just give rare golden eye and make a, you know, that as N64 golden eye, but on the switch with online functionality 
Yes. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Possibly. Probably not. Uh, last piece of news we have uh, this week. The Atari are back in the hardware business with the mysterious new Atari box. Uh, now, if I'm correct, uh, the last piece of hardware that Atari had out, was it the Jaguar or the Jaguar yeah. CD? Yeah. Um, it was, the Jaguar CD was the toilet looking add-on. Yes, it was. Slotted in the top. Yes, it uh, was. Yes, that the Jaguar never was worked. The yes, the Jaguar was the last piece of hardware they made. Um, and uh, the the wonderful, the, the, the just rapturous reception that that device got, or that piece of hardware got, uh, meant that Atari quickly um, jumped out of the hardware business um, <laughs> after a fledgling 10, 15 years of... You know, being you know pretty much the the main player in town during the eighties with the uh, Atari twenty six hundred and I can never remember the names twenty six hundred, fifty two hundred, and seventy seventy something seventy something <laughs> or another. Um, yeah. So, what in the fuck is the Atari box? I mean, there's, has there been a? I don't think there's been a game company that's had more ups and downs than Atari. They built the game industry, they killed the game industry, <laughs> and they sort of, sort of floundered around for a little bit before Nintendo gave them a big backhand and told them to get out of the way. Yeah. Um, I remember picking a Jaguar up from a school fate in my primary school for something like five quid because it was on there. About what it's worth. I mean, it had a really oh, can't for the life of me remember what it's called, which is really bad. There was a shooter, which is like a top-down. Uh, uh, shmup, which was which was superb and had banging soundtrack. Um, but that was a weird console because everyone was saying like, "Oh, this is a sixty-four bit console," but it wasn't really, was it? Well, that, that was the thing because it was it was built like it was basically built like a PS3, and like no one knew how the fuck to actually make games for it. So it was what? like it is sixty-four bits, but it's not really. It's like it's there, but it doesn't have the power to. It. And then real 64 bit came along when the bits mattered. Yeah. Well, I mean, to some people, the bits do still matter these days. The bits, it's the just, bits. No, now it's teraflops. Then, teraflops. Yeah, and vaporware. And, and vapes. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Like, will this be um, like a NES Mini, but for Atari games? Um, would that sell at all? Because, like. I mean, they're, they're hyping it like it's a, a premium piece of kit, but they've. I mean, from the photos, it looks like, I think it's the 2600 that's got the wood front. It, yeah. it looks like one of their retro consoles. Whether it's the NES Mini or, I mean, God forbid they're going for a big hardware push and they're trying to compete, that, that'd that be insane. That'd be uh, hilarious. I'm all, be, I'm all for be, that. It'd be great to see, but really? Um, I, I mean, they'd be better off doing the classics, but I don't know how much of a market there is for those games anymore no it's... i just i don't because like i mean the the nes mini is going to be this weird enigma because no one knows how many console how many consoles they would have actually sold with that because you know nintendo did a nintendo but limited, limited yeah i know right um but you get a feeling that that would have shifted some serious units um for the price that it was for what was on there you know yeah. they could have they could have done a few things different with the way that um, I mean, for example, the the cords could have been, you know, longer. Yeah. <laughs> just, just, just throwing that one out there. We have one in the office. It's weird. Uh, like, yeah. why, why is this cord so short? Yeah, it's like, <laughs> why must be this close to a uh, TV? Yeah. What? Why am I sitting on the TV to play Mega Man? This is not it's how. Um, so uh, maybe Atari have had a look at that and thought, well, you know, we've got a whole bunch of back catalogs. Maybe people want to actually just see what ET was because they never they've heard about it but never got to play it. Sure, maybe I don't know. 
put it in a box for 40 quid with 50 yeah. other games i don't know um i'm i'm so curious to know what this actually is um, i think the thing is that it's, it's, it's curiosity what what on earth are they going to do i mean their license has been sort of spread out to all sorts of different corners over the past however many years um what on earth are they actually planning it's weird because i think i think everyone looks at gaming and its history from their own perspective so for me that isn't my childhood that's no. before that's before what i know from uh from where i jumped into video games yeah, so same, I'm, same. I'm on the border of snes and n64 and i mean my first thing was a, a commodore amiga so that that's my that's my retro console if there's God, something i actually feel older then because i was like master system was for me like so my i'm like 88 so um i mean See, I... i'm 87 but i i jumped in late to games like, okay, pro- fair enough. like properly because say amiga was my first real sort of system that i used for games so monkey island 2 and cannon fodder are my they're the ones i hold dear to me but i think i think everyone looks at it in terms of generation i guess there is a generation out there that maybe is clamoring for all those atari games to come back don't think it's that big I don't. It's definitely not got the same uh, sort of nostalgia factor as the NES Mini does, or God forbid, an SNES Mini. I think that would just fly. I don't know if Atari has that same pull for maybe the people who are still really interested in games. I think maybe Atari, those people have maybe moved on. But I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe there's a market there. But I, yeah, curiosity. What on earth is it? What are they going to do? Uh, and that is uh, that is it for the news. Um, so with that, that actually brings us to the end of the show. So uh, first of all, uh, I'm going to say thank you very much, Oliver, for coming on. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, thank you again for having me. Uh, do you actually get to do like have you been on much in terms of audio content? Because I know you had like the videos. I remember seeing uh, for the the one two switch I saw you on, but I don't know if you actually have had a chance to do, do much of this kind of stuff before. Oh, that was a bad one. That was where I was shaking. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I used to, so I used to podcast um, a long, long, long time ago for several different defunct, um, sort of when I was earning my, well, when I was writing, um, but not really writing for websites that quickly went under for free. Um, Those are the days. We did, yeah, we did like low key podcasts, which tend to just descend into absolute nonsense. Um, but not not for a while. Uh, video content we do uh, every now and then, but not like let's plays. We tend to do soft stuff to camera, like roundups. Yeah. Um, or if there's a, re- uh, ooh, we're trying to do reviews, but I don't think we did. We really got into that that much. Or if there's a big event, we'll do videos maybe. But um, it's, the uh, thing is, is, is video sure. content is the way, but video content is also you know takes a lot of time to put together. It's such a swamped format as well. Um, I mean, unless you're doing, unless you are a dedicated site, then it's such a strange, strange sphere now as well. Because people want, I, guess, I mean, people want personality, I guess now. Yeah. Um, you look at, I mean, it's, it's, there's such a strange disparity between game video content. So we were talking about uh, Mark Brown earlier, really high-end, incredibly in-depth analysis, which is phenomenal. And then on the other side, um, I mean, I'm, I've recently got into Polygon stuff, uh, watching Carboys, which is just hilarious nonsense, but really, really entertaining. And there's like a, there's a balance between which side are you going to go? Obviously, for 
might be times where we're not quite on the completely ridiculous level so we have to keep it quite professional um, but yeah video is weird i think people want let's plays and to watch speed runs that are like an hour and a half long now which is just a completely different kind of kettle of fish so you're going on twitch yeah i remember when i used to have time when i could actually watch other people play games and now i start to watch something i'm like why the fuck am i watching this i should be playing it i don't have enough yeah, hours in the day <laughs> i could just be playing it now yeah. instead of watching this dude play it I mean, I think I've, this, I can't remember them off the top of it, but I'm sure there's games I haven't played, but I know back to front because I've watched Let's Plays. I've got just, a few. That's a big commitment. The, the one, I have watched, I think, at least six separate playthroughs of Ocarina of Time from different YouTubers. Oh. And I've completed that game about 20 fucking times. But for some yes. reason, I was like, I just, I want to see how other people play it. I just want to... Mm, I wonder. Yeah. Um, even though, you know, it's a pretty much a linear experience unless you want to decide to break the game, which, to be fair, I've watched, you know, that game be broken in every way conceivable because there are so many ways, apparently, to break that game. Yeah. I mean, um, Pokemon's probably the one I've... Yeah, I think Pokemon's probably the one I've watched the most because I'm quite into Pokemon competitive. I but... have I have not been able to watch anything to do with Pokemon in terms of uh, videos since Twitch plays Pokemon because that will never be. Oh, that, that was yeah, that was classic. I, I missed that at the time. When I was oh going back. man, that was a like no. you had to be there. Um, no, like I've seen I've seen all the stuff come out afterwards. It's just so good. Every now and again, I go back to the wiki and I just I just start laughing just to myself because yeah. Yeah, that was that was a beautiful moment, and um, you know they tried to do it again, but it's like you, you never beat the first time or something like that. Pokemon's got this really strange thing as well, where they do something called Nuzlocke and now Wonderlock runs as well, where you play through, and if your Pokemon faints, then it's dead. And you oh have to my release. god! Yeah, so you, you go. So I've, I've watched loads of these, so I know, I know these are quite hard. <laughs> you're, the, you're, the, you're the go-to man for this kind of thing. I, I, I know a horrific amount about Pokemon that uh, it's definitely it would be two-hour discussion in and of itself. There's a um, spin-off podcast not, with it at some point. We're not going to go there. Um, the so Nuzlocke and Wonderlock are really cool. So you, you for every route you find, you just so you got Route One. You walk onto Route One. Actually, Route One doesn't normally have uh, grass. So Route Two. Uh, you go to Route 2, the first Pokemon you find in the tall grass, if you kill it, you don't catch anything in that route. You have to go to the next one. Oh, wow. If you catch it, that's all you can catch and you've got to go on. You can heal them and everything, that's fine. Yeah. But if that Pokemon then faints in battle, then you have to release it. And you have to nickname them as well. So it makes it ten times worse. So you make hell. a nice bond with whatever you've called normally something rude. And then... You, you lose them forever, and that's that's vicious. And then Wonderlock plays on the same scenario, but you have to wonder trade uh, your Pokemon that you catch out, which is where you send it into the ethers of the trade yeah, yeah. Uh, system, and it comes back with a random one, which is, is even more ridiculous. I've, you can get some hilarious waste, powered I've, or some shit. I've wasted far too much time with that fucking thing over the over the last year or two. I've got yeah. some really cool stuff, right? But also some absolute trash. I, yeah. <laughs> It's just when you get like a, a Caterpie that they've named some ridiculous name or whatever, and he's just like, "Yeah, cool, great, that was that was worth, that was that was awesome." Yeah, thanks for that. Cheers. Yeah. But then some randomly, someone will just send you like a fucking Dragonite, and you're just like, "Okay, cool, awesome." Yeah. yeah <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, appreciate that. Yeah, uh, yeah we we are not getting started on Pokemon because I I will also be here with two out for two hours and just no, no another time. 
another time. Definitely. I will definitely take you up on that. Um, but yeah, uh, feel free to uh, plug yourself away and, uh, and then I will sign us off. All right. Um, yeah, uh, if you want to see my writing, I am at ibtimes.co.uk. Uh, if you look at our, we're just ibtimes.co.uk slash games. If you want to see our games section, if you want to read what I'm writing, you can just click my profile name. Um, other than that, I'm on Twitter uh, at ollycapper26, and that's about it. Excellent stuff. Uh, so yeah, once again, thank you very much for coming on. Um, I imagine, and we say this to everyone, but we do genuinely mean it. Like, uh, probably get you on at some point. And um, the whole point of our show is that we do like a book club feature. But I'm, I'm too tired from E3 and everything else this week. Oh, just... it's been too much. Yeah. So uh, probably at some point um, we'll have a chat. And if, the, if there's a classic game that we haven't covered, we'll definitely get you back on to, to talk about it at some point. Definitely. Awesome. Cool. Uh, well, to uh, everyone else, thank you very much for for listening. And uh, yeah. We'll see you again next week with Dave Ryan back in control and uh, have a very good week and try not to die in the sun. Bye.